Welcome to episode 117 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. In this episode, I talk with Edward Upton, founder and technical lead at littledata.io about how to use server-side tracking on e-commerce side. So let's get started. This is the e-commerce coffee break, the podcast dedicated to Shopify store owners who want to optimize their business for maximum conversions and revenue. Each week, you're going to get actionable advice and hear from special guests talking about various topics on how to run a profitable business on Shopify. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get e-commerce insights you can't Google. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce coffee break. A lot of online merchants just want to sell their product. And then one of a sudden they have to deal with a lot of technical things. So there's third party cookies, there's tracking, there's Google analytics. And then one of a sudden the whole business becomes very technical and most of them at some point will be overwhelmed. Now, in the last couple of months, a lot of things have happened, specifically when it comes to tracking and cookies that go away and all of these things. And we want to dive a little bit deeper into this topic today. So therefore, the guest on the show today is Edward Upton. He's the founder and tech technical lead at littledata.io, and we talk about how to use server-side tracking on e-commerce sites. Edward founded Little Data to make it ridiculously easy to connect sales, marketing, and customer data. He started Little Data after experiencing firsthand the pain of getting accurate e-commerce data as an advisor for Mate.com and GDWilliams.group. Before that, he founded Teachable.net, a marketplace for teachers to share digital education resources. Top DTC brands around the world trust Little Data's smart connection for accurate e-commerce analysis. So we'll dive into that in a moment. Edward also graduated in psychology of the Magdalene College, Oxford. And after that, he worked at Accenture and the UK Government Digital Service. So let's dive into it and say hello to Edward. How are you today? Hi there. Great. Good morning. Edward, what got you from psychology into e-commerce tracking? I think that's a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite a meandering river. Yeah, I graduated in psychology. I think it was the brain science end of psychology. I didn't want to be a scientist, but I've always been fascinated by business. And I guess the intersection of where business will meet psychology, how do you affect people's behavior, influence people, etc. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Those who are founders know that that's your natural home. You might do other things to train up to start a business myself. And started, as you say, my first business in my 20s, which was in EdTech. Grew that to a certain scale and then really found that they were very selling to schools in a very tough market. That first business was a lot about analytics. We had a product that I realized as basically as the product manager as well as the founder, I needed to track what was happening, who was using it. And I got started getting deep into Google Analytics and tracking and Google Tag Manager. Then, as you say, did that as a consultant for a few bigger brands and realized there was an opportunity to take what I was doing as a consultant and really productize it for a lot of mid-sized, larger brands that want to get all the best data about their customer journey, but they don't have either the in-house expertise to track that manually or the ability to pay for some of the very expensive, let's say full suites, you know, vastly integrated analytics tools out there. So our basic premise is that the Google has provided and still provides an excellent tool in Google Analytics. It's just that there's increasing difficulty of how you actually set that up, as you say, respect on the one hand of user privacy, regulations and concerns, and on the other hand, actually getting a brand's perspective and a complete picture of how your marketing is working and driving sales. Okay. So a little data IO, and I love the name because it sums up what we're talking about. Tell me what's the difference between what has happened in the past 
past with third-party cookies and all the tracking that has happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, sure. So if we roll back five years, there was a very standard way of all these big advertising platforms, how their ads were working on third-party websites. They drop a third-party cookie, which was neither authorized necessarily by the site. But also, actually, Google Analytics, you know, use first-party cookies to just track. So first-party means set by the brand or the brand's website on behalf of the users say, look, this person is the same person who's being paged the next time. The way the web analytics has worked for actually really for the last 15 years is that you visit the page, there's a tracking script that loads on that page. The tracking script interacts with a cookie and the cookie says, yeah, this is an anonymous person. It doesn't say that your name's Edward Upton. It just says you're number one, two, three, four. And then every time you visit on that same browser, we know that you're the same person. We can link all those page views together. And then that ping is sent to Google servers and aggregated into a customer journey into anonymous analytics. But then what happened a couple of years ago is obviously there's a big trap about third-party cookies. Like, I don't want to be trapped by some third party I've never consented to and never understood. The problem is that the baby's now getting thrown out of the bathwater. That what Apple particularly started doing and Google's increasingly doing with Google Chrome is not blocking just third-party cookies, but also first-party cookies. So saying, look, Google Analytics, you can set this cookie, but we'll wipe it. So basically, it's much harder now to stitch together all those touch points. And then, if that's not bad enough, a whole load of kind of ad blockers are even blocking the pings to Google server. So if you're relying on what was called client-side tracking, your reporting is increasingly broken in two ways. First of all, you can't link all the touch and touch points together to understand what marketing or emails or ads or whatever bought them to buy. But also you're just missing maybe 20% of your user behavior because it's been blocked. So little data kind of five years ago pioneered what we call server-side tracking. And what this means is that rather than having to add any scripts, I and mean, we do have a script to track the landing pages, obviously, but from the ads card onwards, we can just infer what the user did by listening into what's happening on the e-commerce platform. And that brings a few benefits. First of all, it's totally robust. Anything that's happening in the browser, ad blocking, cookie blocking, users opting out, doesn't affect the tracking. Secondly, it's more secure. So you don't have to worry about anyone intercepting their user data. But thirdly, it's just much richer and more reliable. Every time an order comes through, you'll get 100% of those orders on Google Analytics. What a lot of brands come to us saying is, look, I don't know what to trust. In my Shopify store, I made $1,000 this week, but in Google Analytics, it tells me there's only $800. So which one is true? And the reality is generally that brands trust the e-commerce platform, Shopify, because that is basically their source of truth. That's where the payments are actually being made. And that's right. And so the little basis point out of this basically helps make sure that the analytics tool, Google Analytics or another tool matches what you see in Shopify. Yeah, very good explanation. I was actually about to ask you why are the numbers in Shopify different than in Google Analytics? And I think you just told us why that is. Now, when it comes to the attribution, you said a lot of things have been taken away from Facebook, from Apple, and so on and so forth. What's the best way to assign the perfect marketing attribution to your business so that you really know where is my customer, my order coming from? First of all, one of the reasons we have always been big boosters for Google Analytics is we think it allows you to compare Apple to Apples across your different channels. Each individual marketing platform, whether it's Facebook ads or email marketing platform or affiliate marketing tool, they all are very greedy in what they claim the sales generally. And by greedy, I don't mean completely fake. I just mean that if the customer touched one of those channels and then bought something, Facebook ad says, hey, that Facebook ads drove that sale. But I think everyone understands that most e-commerce journeys are actually a number of touch points, depending on the value of the product. There's three multiple touch points for people decide to buy. So really you need to understand not just the last click that brought them there, but the journey, the multi-channel attribution 
of that sale. We recommend that people can try and trap, not just in one isolated channel, but trap the channel side by side. But the second point of that thing is that there's different attribution models you can use typically in Google Analytics and in most of the tools, it's a last click attribution. So whatever was the last, I would say last non-direct click to be accurate. There was a last known sort of source of that visit, whether it be a click on an ad or a click on an email link or that is attributed to the sale. Now, one of the reasons I'm really excited about Google Analytics 4 is Google's opened up a feature which they've had for their enterprise customers, their 360 customers for a few years, but they've opened up to everyone what they call data-driven attribution. And what this means is basically using Google's clever algorithms to have machine learning to sift through all of your customer interactions and figure out on average, which of them are value adding. And by value adding, I mean, if the user hasn't interacted with that platform, will they still have bought? Because a huge amount of brands, in my opinion, waste money advertising to people who would already have purchased. And this is the dirty secret with sort of retargeting and Facebook and stuff. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, some of the time, at least getting them over the line and that advertising is useful because it reminds a customer that maybe had abandoned to come back. But some of the time, you know, they were already going to purchase. Your click is sort of wasted in a way. And I think that's what data-driven attribution tries to solve is that very age-old problem of whether this is actually, if you hadn't done that thing, the user still would have bought. Okay, that will definitely help you in assigning your marketing budgets and then also getting the feeling what's the user journey at the end of the day and not only focus on one touch point. Now, how can you imagine to work with little data? Do I do not use Google Analytics or Shopify reports anymore? Or how does that look like? Little data is a connector for Shopify and big commerce with Google Analytics. We also have connectors for Facebook ads because there is a reason to build audience and stuff that you want the same data points in there and also for segments people send it to other analytics tools. What we're recommending is Shopify analytics. If you just want to look at overall like sales volumes and products sold is good, but it really doesn't give you any particular marketing analysis point of view. So we feel like for any ambitious growth brand, Google Analytics should be a much better choice for making those sort of decisions from. And more importantly, it's tightly integrated with Google Ads. So your ability to run clever campaigns in Google Ads, particularly ones that are driven based on conversion, trying to target cost of acquisition of the click. Those are much better powered by Google Analytics. So you send the data to Shopify to Google Analytics, and then you can share those audiences or share those conversion goals, those purchases with Google Ads. Previously, Google Ads have their own sort of reporting conversion tracking thing, but increasingly Google strategy is just look, send it to Google Analytics and then share that data with other Google marketing suites. No, understood. No. A lot of merchants might have concerns when they say, okay, now the tracking is on my side, server-side tracking. And that brings them into the question is like, how secure is the data, data security policies and whatsoever. Specifically, as Apple said, we're taking them away because we want to make sure that the customer data is secure, which I think Apple is coming up with their own ad platform soon. And that's the main reason, not what they were selling. How does it work for little data? Does it comply to GDPR and all the other things? And how do you make sure that the data is safe? Yeah, absolutely. Little data is an app that is hosting all that data pipeline for the brand. So they don't need to worry about maintaining that kind of cloud data security. That's our job as data experts. And we've got Oscars for how we secure that best practice. And I think that is actually really important because server-side tracking sounds great. It obviously involves a lot more engineering effort to make it work. I know very few brands that have tried to do that on their own. And most of them have eventually come back to us because they found it to be tapped in a more complex than what. So yeah, we're offering a fully hosted solution near a SaaS product where people just pay a monthly annual price just for us to manage all of this for them. And part of that management is, as you say, respecting the customer consent on the front end. So in Europe, 
the regulation says that you need to opt in a way, not a rather opt out, the consent to being tracked. On Shopify, they have a consent API, so they have a lot of cookie banners can integrate with Shopify. The problem is though, that with a lot of other setups, that consent is not passed on to the tracking strips. So people click, um, no, I don't want to be tracked, but they're still tracked, which is obviously not GDPR compliant. You're not complying with the customer's right to be ignored or to be not tracked. What it'll later offers is an integration with all these cookie banners, that cookie consent banners that says, look, if you opt out, then we won't track you. And at the moment that you do opt in, because typically one of the problems is that the user has a landing page, cookie banner comes up, you click allow, but you need to then send that page to you. Because if you don't send it to the next page, you've lost all uh, the UTM tags. You don't know what the user are. So yeah, GDPR compliance is important. Brands in Europe, we help them do that. But I think going back to server-side tracking, from the checkout onwards, the user is effectively opted into being tracked. My view is that it's simply not possible if you interact with an e-commerce brand and give them your email and so on to not be tracked, that should be part of any brand's, and it needs to be in their privacy policy, but obviously they need to be able to track the user at that point in order to deliver the product. From the point in which they identify themselves in the checkout and then complete the order, then whatever content they can content, we can still share that data with the brand and the brand's tracking. Okay. So in other words, as with server-side tracking, you actually can follow the customer journey much deeper into the process as you would have been able to do that in the past. Is that right? Correct. Where the user's consented to be tracked in the front end, link, link that to check out an order back to browsing behavior. So how does the implementation of little data work? For instance, you have a Shopify store or a big commerce store. How does that work? Yeah, it's very simple. It's as an app that you install on the store. There's a few setup steps, just authorize permission to add the tracking scripts and to have akin to those events coming on Shopify Big Commerce's servers. And then just some configuration steps to tell us where do you want to send the data? And obviously a few more settings around, you know, exactly how you want to send the data in different formats. And so with our installation, there's a very simple automatic route. We pick all the intelligent defaults for you. And then there's a manual where you can do more of the configuration and it takes about five to 10 minutes to set up and the data starts flowing instantly. What we're not doing is pushing a sort of tag management solution. What does it work plan, implement, test, so on. Because as I said, it works as a out-of-the-box as follow. We know that for any brand installing it, they're going to get exactly the accurate touch points because all of the data layout policies are standardized in the platform. And that's the beauty, I guess, of offering what we do. And really, as I said, where we could take all those learnings to consultants and productize them, we can offer it for a much lower price than someone who is having to manually implement all this. Because as I said, we programmatically know it'll just install and work. What kind of expert level do you need to have to then see the results in Google Analytics or coming from Shopify? The knowledge you'd need is analytical rather than technical implementation. So I think obviously to make use of this, you would need to be able to navigate yourself around Google Analytics, find out how to build reports, build segments, share audiences, make Google Ads and other tools. We provide some good sort of how-to videos on how to do that. And we've got some good content on our help center. Yep, Google Analytics can be a little bit daunting for beginners, but I do recommend that people you know, invest the time in that. We're saying, look, you don't, Brown, you definitely don't need to do any data engineering to use this. You don't need to be an expert in Agile or Google Tag Manager, but you do need to upscale or find people that can help you then actually do the higher level task, which is analyzing the resulting data and reading the reports that Google produces. As Google is moving from the old Google Analytics to GA4, obviously, what's your take on there? Should people then, if they're already in the process anyway, do the switch over to little data or what would be the best? Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. At the moment, we're recommending that people kind of tag in parallel. So what that means is that they're tracking parallels. So that means we send the same data 
to university robotics and the same data to Google as before. And the reason for that is there are lots of changes with the way the reports work, builds, and the metrics are driven. And so we want downstream again, compare like for like with the old and new, not have to worry about maybe the changes because we didn't implement GA4 properly. So I think that's the first advantage of using us in that sort of switch over scenario is you can be sure you can really focus on just one of the reporting differences while only worry about whether the setup's different. There is normally other good solutions for Gigglance Explorer with Shopify. Shopify doesn't have their own alpha box, what's right, connector for Gigglance Explorer. I don't think they're going to launch that anytime soon. The history of Shopify and Gigglance is something I would say reluctantly supported. So I don't expect when it launches next year to be anywhere near fully fledged. You can quite easily announce some of the apps on the app store that will help you just track the page views in Gigglance Explorer. The important thing for any brand is to actually reliably track the cart checkouts, orders, and refunds so you can get that complete picture. I think just the page views alone are fairly useless. And then the only other option you'd have is to sort of set this up in Google Tag Manager, figure out all the data layer write some custom scripts for the banking page. It's hard work. And I would say for most brands, it's still going to miss a lot of the accuracy. Yeah, very well. So I see that with merchants, exactly that they're struggling to move over. And as you said, in the past, the integration of Google Analytics into Shopify was like so-so. So a little data definitely helps you there to make it probably faster and you get more data and more accurate data. So how surprising of little data, what can people expect there? We're actually just about to launch this free tip. So that's a new thing for us, but we want smaller brands to be able to try this out. We think this particularly ties in with the push to get brands on Google Analytics 4. So we're offering products for free for brands doing up to 200 orders a month. And then from 200 orders a month up to 12,000 orders a month, it's uh, our standard plan, which is $99 a month, Google Analytics 4. And then beyond that, we offer plus plans that come with more account management support for boarding to help you set up some reports in Google Analytics and make sure it's all working. And obviously, coping with brands who have multi-store setups internationally, standard prices, $99 a month with a discount for annual. And for that, they get absolutely all of the events they could possibly need in Google Analytics. Okay. Before our coffee break comes to an end, you're doing data for a very long time and also with the factor from psychology behind there, which I really like. So what would be golden nugget? What would you recommend someone running a store? What should they look into to make it really work? The one thing I'm always pushing is tracking sort of custom lifetime value. A lot of brands focus too much on fairly short-termist metrics around just trying to drive people to buy a one-time thing. But obviously, what they need to take into account when they're thinking about what's a real return on investment is one of the kind of challenges and campaigns that are bringing me users that stick with me, whether I'm selling on subscription or just repeat one-off purchases. But also, one of the kind of users that buy more and don't ask for refunds. These are things that will really impact the profitability of your average brand, just be one of the things that the lady tries to do is allow you to tie back all of those lifetime purchases and in fact, send lifetime value as a, as a dimension to Google Analytics to use in reporting. If you can focus on lifetime value, you can really find the tactics that are bringing really valuable users. And you can tell Facebook to find more people who like them. So you can say, Facebook, look, here are my top hundred customers, whatever they're doing, whatever their interests are globally go and advertise to more people like that. And I think that sort of tactic is hugely powerful for growing not just the one-time purchase, but growing a customer base, which is truly valuable. That's a great tip. Where can people find more about Little Data? So we have our active blog, blog.littledata.io. We have a YouTube channel, quite a lot of hits and, hits and tips, looks up on YouTube, and obviously on all the usual social channels. Cool. I will put them in the show notes, then you're just one click away and people find you immediately. Thanks so much for your time. I think it was very insightful in getting an overview of what's happening in the world of tracking and talk to you soon. Thanks.
Hey, Klaus here. Before you go, I would like to invite you to become part of the e-commerce merchant pro community to get actionable advice from other Shopify merchants who already have achieved what you are aiming for. Our community is a safe place to actively grow your online retail business with the support of the most amazing and helpful group of e-commerce entrepreneurs behind you. Running a Shopify business is tough. Don't do it alone. Join us now. It's free. You will find the link in the show notes. Also, if you think your online store has conversion or marketing issues and you would like to have a fresh set of eyes on your business, then drop me an email at klaus at klauslauter.com and let me know a little bit about your business. It might be beneficial for you to have me look over your store, offers, emails, and ads, and get an unbiased outside perspective and guidance to help you make most of your online business. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review in the app that you're listening so that I can get bigger and more impactful guests on the podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in today. I appreciate you. Until next time, and I talk to you soon.